NCAA and college athletics. It's October 11th. You're on Deep Background. Greetings. Thanks for joining us. Blair Kirkhoff, the uh, brilliant sports writer for the Kansas City Star who <laughs> covers college athletics, is with us for the podcast today. Blair, you're so kind to come in and chat with us for Thank a you for the kind introduction. Yeah, I do um, what I can. Well, let's talk a little bit about uh, the NCAA and college athletics flopping into the news columns. And a couple of weeks ago, an extraordinarily damaging story emerged when the FBI and the U.S. Attorney's Office decided to charge some assistant basketball coaches uh, with uh, with uh, uh, bribery, al- was bribery and allegations that they had improperly tried to influence athletes to sign at specific schools and shoe manufacturers were were all mixed in. Give us your own thoughts as you saw that story emerge. Some people have said it was a, uh, an enormous scandal. I also read, though, oh, everyone knows this is going on, and and the, you know, don't complain about it. Yes, What's your own view. Um, both of those views have been uh, expressed here in the last week and a half, two weeks. In fact, uh, just this week, the uh, the assistant coaches, the four of the ten people who were arrested were assistant coaches. And those four, plus a couple of the others who were arrested, which were a shoe rep and a, um, and a, and a, a representative of a financial, a financial advisor, right, right. were an agent or yes, a, a would-be agent, agent yeah. actually went uh, had their day in court in in uh, in, in New York. So uh, just a you know j- just a, to, to bring us up to yes. date. Mm-hmm. So. It was a stunning revelation when when the news hit. I mean, nobody saw it coming, including the NCAA. And you think, well, particularly how, the NCAA, right? And you think, how could that be? I mean, the NCAA oversees college basketball, oversees college sports, right. and this all, investigation had been going on for, for two, two years, years right, right. unbeknownst to, to the, the NCAA. NCAA. And um, the NCAA, which investigates schools for wrongdoing. Uh, had nothing to do with this and is basically a bystander in this and promises to punish uh, guilty parties if and when when the FBI's finished with right, their right. You know, with this but uh, in in scope it there's been nothing like it maybe it, there, there hasn't been anything like it in my lifetime you got to go back to the 1950s uh, gambling scandals of college basketball which had a huge impact on the sport you know 60 70 years ago um, for the FBI to get involved in this was uh, was stunning and and so and it was no coincidence that the FBI held its press conference in New York three days four days before basketball practice officially started KU had its midnight uh, right. madness and, and and programs all around the, the country were opening college basketball so that that has ushered in the college basketball season. This big, big scandal that is just—we're just starting. We're just at the beginning of it. I, I think this is going to take months, maybe even years, to resolve. And for um, uh, assistant coaches who were uh, who were arrested, are going to blow the whistle on other assistant coaches. So if your program, if your favorite team wasn't identified early, and we know that Louisville was and Southern California and Auburn were among those that were identified early, those assistant coaches and coaches are going to maybe blow the whistle on other coaches. South Carolina was in it. was one of them as yes, well yeah. because assistant coach there. And uh, uh, so, yeah, th- this this has tentacles. It's it's going to be far-reaching. It's, it's not going to be over for a while. And it has the potential to change – it amateurism 
and change just the way college sports does business. Yes, and I want to come back to that uh, because I think that's really the most important po- point of all, that, that, that some people are seriously saying this is the inflection point in terms of how we uh, address amateur athletics, at least at the collegiate level. Um, but let's stay a little bit on the scandal itself. The most dangerous words in all of journalism are the investigation continues, you know, <laughs> right. and which is, I think, what you're describing. Do we have any doubt, Blair, that there will be something there for investigators to find beyond just these allegations? I mean, is this it, it, everything you read suggests it's much more systemic than maybe we know. Right. And, and, and look, the uh, one of the differences between the FBI conducting an investigation and the NCAA conducting an investigation is the NCAA doesn't have subpoena power. They can't wiretap. <laughs> the FBI has right. done all and this. can't plea bargain can't plea either. Bargain. Yeah. Nothing. I mean, yeah. so the FBI, they got the goods. They've got the goods and on there these are, And your argument is there are goods to be found. Yes, there are. Uh, and, uh, and, and nobody seems to deny that. Uh, that's just the way Isn't business— is stunning? Yes, it's the way that this type of business has been conducted for quite a while. And the reason that that is, um, it's, 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 a, uh, it's an imbalanced market. There are billions of dollars being spent on college sports from television networks, from shoe companies— the, the, the NCAA tournament, the basketball tournament, March Madness, is worth billions and yeah. billions of dollars. It, it's an industry of its own. It, it is. And who's getting rich off of this industry? Everyone except. Except the players, the right. people, those who generate the income with their, you know, with their abilities. And they cannot be unaware of all that money sloshing around. I mean, of at, at that level, particularly, Blair, for younger players, I mean, you see 13- and 14-year-old kids— who show some promise, they can't be. Their families are not unaware for a millisecond that everyone is in line for a payday except the young man. That's right. right. Um, and, and and that's the market that's that has grown from this financial imbalance in college sports, which really has started growing, I'd say, since the, <clears throat> since the 1980s. Uh, that's when uh, the highest paid college basketball coach in like 1978 or 1979, was making $50,000 a year. John Wooden never made more than $45,000 a year as UCLA's <laughs> head coach, and he won 10 national championships. Right. Well, Bill Self makes close to $5 million a year, and Rick Pitino made close to $7 million a year before he was fired. And Mike Krzyzewski, Roy Williams, all the top-notch guys are in the multi-million dollars right. range. Not all of it's come from – a lot of it comes from shoe companies. Right. I mean, that that's the other sort of element in, the, in mm-hmm. this instant case, but more broadly – the shoe people uh, see this as a as right. a path to riches. And and what's one of the interesting uh, schools of thought here is, well, what crime has actually been committed? Correct. And you know, is isn't this the cost of doing business? Um, a uh, a, a street agent or a shoe company rep gets in touch with a family uh, directly and says, you know, we want your kid, we want to steer your kid to this school that may, you know, wear the shoes, Adidas or Nike, of, you know, that we represent and, and we want him to stay and he'll probably have a pro career and we want a piece of that as well. The problem, the problem is, and the reason the feds got involved is because when assistant coaches become conduits here when when assistant basketball coaches who work for the public universities right. who are paid by the taxpayers or salaries right, are paid right. by the taxpayers are involved in helping steer and influence and bribe kids to these schools we're talking about you know 14 15 16 year old kids who someone needs to protect in in, in this way 
And that's the kind of sort of the basis of the FBI case. Right. But the, but the other argument you hear is the way to eliminate this problem is to pay the players. To be, in other words, right. cut them in on this on these billions of dollars floating around. Make sure there's some system for them to get a cut of of all this money that's being generated, and that would be a way to get some of this uh, unseemly, uh, you know, scandal out of the game. Right. Beyond now that, that's a difficult topic, but boy, you're hearing a lot more about that from mainstream people than you heard even you know two or three years and, ago. And you will, as this story continues to be in the news, we'll hear more about what what can be done about big time college athletics. And, um, but what can be done, Blair? I mean, what you know, there, some of this is almost inevitable. I mean, it, w- once you turn college football and college basketball into a semi-professional money-making entity, this kind of thing is almost unavoidable, isn't it? Unless you dramatically change the way that students. Well, think about the the two sports that you named, football and, and men's basketball, to be right. more specific. They're the only two sports that treat its athletes in, in this way. And, and what I mean by that is you can't go directly from high school to an NFL team. And in basketball now, you have to wait Boy. at least there's, – there's the NBA has an a age limit, 19 right, years old. Right. So you have to wait at least one year. If you're a soccer prodigy or a baseball prodigy or a figure skating prodigy, you can make as much money on your craft as young as you can possibly make it. The market will allow that. But the NBA and the NFL have not allowed that, and they want their – they want their athletes coming into their leagues to be more seasoned and more mature. And, and they want someone else to pay for it. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And that's what the colleges have done. Right. And now... It both in men's basketball and football, in essence, you're the minor league. Someone else right. bears that responsibility and that sort of payment structure or financial structure. And the leagues, the pro leagues, are held harmless in a way. Absolutely. I mean, that, they've they got to be part of the solution. They, they have to... Absolutely have to be at the table when the solutions are being discussed. And in in basketball, in the last, but was twelve years ago, it was two thousand six. I think the the NBA and the, the players, the, the the NBA players union and the colleges agreed on the well, the colleges didn't have anything to do with it. The one and done rule. The you know you have to go to the minimum right, age rule. Right. You have to come to college for one year. There's school of thought out there that if we eliminate that and go back to the way it was before 2006 when LeBron James was a high school senior. He didn't have to come to college for a year. Um, Kevin Garnett, some and of the... he st- did just fine, he's apparently. doing fine. <laughs> and it, if, if the families, if the kids and the families want to take that up risk of, of entering the NBA draft at 18 years old, and then let that happen. Let, let it right. happen. Um, and that's that's that doesn't solve this big issue. There, as long as the... As long as coaches are getting paid multi-million dollars, as long as billions are being flowed into schools and conferences, there's still going to be an element of corruption. But it takes away, it removes one part of it, one a, part an of age it. limit. One pillar. But but that brings in the NCAA. Because the NCAA is the uh, putative organization that's supposed to keep an eye on all of this and maintain this sort of facade of amateurism. We wrote an editorial the other day that said, look, the NCAA really needs to rethink its existence in some ways, because it's certainly, you, you know, the problems surrounding college athletics are obvious and several and deep, and the NCAA, which makes its own money from college athletics, seems powerless, except at the very most minute levels, you know, <laughs> you had a hamburger, you have to pay that money back, you know, right. but, 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 so what role forward for the NCAA? I mean, do you have to have... 
I believe at some point the federal government may step in. I mean, I just really think at some point politicians are going to say this is so corrupt and you are so powerless as an organization, NCAA, that that we need to have some sort of oversight. There's a lot of pushback on that. But you know, what, what's your own view? Well, there there are there are also some suggestions that that college sports uh, in the United States become modeled after the European. Uh, Equivalents for the, for the same age for the uh, for the eighteen to twenty two year old and that is exist as club sport not right. you know, as as, as cl- athletic clubs not club sports but athletic clubs affiliated with universities, with universities. Yeah, yeah. yes affiliated with universities but they don't have to become they don't have to be, be students right, of those right. universities they can be paid by um, uh, by however the athletic club conduct or raises money and that the could be parent do- club parent, or yeah it could be donations it could be right. anyway ticket sales yes anyway <laughs> billion uh, dollar basketball tournament making money on your likeness you know <laughs> yes, which yes. things that haven't been able uh, yes athletes haven't been able to do so you know i can i can see that as a as as a long-term uh, uh resolution to this it may not happen it may not happen anytime soon but I think we're but, get- but the but the but the scandal story accelerates that day. It does accelerate it, and and I think we're in for a long slog on this story, and it's it's not going away, and more schools and coaches are going to be implicated, and I think and some, that just raises the boiling point right. uh, of this pressure for change be at some a, level. At some point, there'll be enough is enough. We have to change the model. Yeah. Now, I'm fascinated by the idea that for all of this discussion and all the stuff you read and the continuing stories, not just on this scandal, but CTE problems in football and other things affiliated with college sports, that fans seem to be turning a blind eye to some of this. <laughs> uh, and that that there is almost, Blair, a, a willing, I don't want to say hypocrisy, but a willing suspension of disbelief that all of this is going on, and yet, boy, Kentucky-Kansas, what a game that's going to be, you know, or, or you know, Notre Dame on TV. W- what role does that play in any of this, in your view? Well, it, it, it plays a pretty significant role because it continues to allow television networks to pay incredible amounts of money to in football to conferences directly and in, in basketball to the NCAA directly from networks. As college sports on television – and any any live sports is the best reality yes. TV yep. that exists, and everybody you don't know the outcome, and and so when this weekend Texas and Oklahoma play their annual Red River rivalry in in uh, at, the, at the State Fair in in Dallas, there'll be ninety thousand people there. There'll be forty thousand on wearing burnt orange and forty thousand wearing crimson, and it'll be one of the great atmospheres for a college sports event. Uh, any anywhere. athletic in, event. In, any athletic. It's fantastic. I've covered about a half dozen of them, and they're just, it's just wonderful. And it's it was wonderful 10 years ago. It was wonderful 50 years ago. And that's just, it's part, it's woven into the fabric of American right. sports. No question. Um, anybody, I tell people this all the time, anybody who's ever been to a game at Allen Fieldhouse understands just what, what a nirvana experience that that is. There's just a game at Duke, a college football game at LSU. Those are things that are that that tickle the sentence sentence senses in a yeah. way that that other sporting events might not, and that's why. 
people, it's hard to detach yourself and, and feel like a, you know, a, a detached observer right. in these. But, 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 and I think that's all true. And I remember, uh, Particularly the Missouri Kansas game out at Arrowhead when they were oh one my and gosh two. the I very mean, it was first amazing one? thing and we're not used to that no. on the college level football level around uh, this area and it was just an astonishing week and just the fun of it was just amazing but you do have to willingly ignore yeah when he, you go to a game in Allen Fieldhouse you you, you have to say to yourself ones and dones and all these other things that you would object to in the abstract are somehow forgotten because this is a great game. Suspended uh, belief. Hear no evil, see no evil. Yeah, right. And that seems to me at the core of the problem. Because at some point, fans are going to have to admit reality and either accept a game that reflects this sort of amateur ideal, which the NCAA and let's face it, all the schools talk about all the time. Oh, we're, you know, we're student athletes. We're amateurs. This isn't a pro thing. And you either sort of ratchet it back and get rid of all this scandal, or you in essence go to another model, which says, yeah, this is semi-pro sports. You mentioned club or something else. This in-between seems unsustainable to me. Well, in light of the scandal, it does. Yeah. The, the recent scandal, it, it does. I, I think the only, the only way we'll see change is, is for uh, the, the passion in the fans to wane, uh, and, and then they'll stop watching, and then they'll stop buying product. Uh, they'll stop attending. And once it becomes, it's a, it's a marketplace-driven right. no you know, product. And, and once it, it starts to fail in the marketplace, um, and m- maybe only then you'll see some kind of fundamental change in, in the way it operates. Um, because, again, um, ratings are doing, right. college football ratings are, are pretty high this year. Yeah, and, and, and the, you know, you mentioned earlier about how it's great reality TV. The reason the networks love live sports is not only is it, uh, you know, uh, uh, you don't know the outcome, but they don't have to produce it. I mean, it's someone cheap. else is producing it, right. it for it's them. cheap production. You don't have to hire anybody to play the games. You don't have to hire the coaches. There That's are right. leagues. <laughs> there are organizations. In essence, they hand it to you yeah. as a TV executive on a silver platter. You roll up your trucks, cameras, your talent. And it's there. And, it's you, and, and, you, and you sell these games to advertisers yes. at top dollar, and and that's why the games last three and a half hours. But, right, uh, right. but you have to put that in. Yeah, um, but but you do get the sense that I don't think college football is a different thing because it's almost a, you know appointment television. It's every Saturday. It's sort of woven into the Saturday afternoon fabric. College basketball, though, I think is more fragile in a way because, it, you know, there are two or three games a week. That's when you'll start to see a drop-off in television viewership, perhaps, if a lot of viewers begin to feel like it's rigged in a way that uh, is too sordid for their tastes. I've always said that um, regular season college football is – is fantastic because every weekend matters. You know, you're, if you have a favorite team, you know you're measuring your favorite team versus other teams in terms of whether they become bowl eligible or they get right. a chance to win the national championship. And then once the bowl season gets here, nobody cares about the bowl games or the postseason until you get to the championship game. Right. Well, basketball is just the opposite. The regular season is somewhat meaningless, and the ratings are low for that anyway. But then you get to postseason basketball into March Madness and the NCAA tournament. And everyone's locked in it's, for all it's of March. Un- everybody has a bracket. Everybody's right, got right. a bracket on the refrigerator, and it's that's where basketball matters the most. And when that stops mattering, that's when 
college sports. And it will problem. stop mattering when people begin to believe that March Madness is somehow fixed or rigged in a yeah, way by yeah. by cheating by coaches by or whatever. Soured, you know, soured in such a or, way. That you... Or teams not allowed to participate because they've done things <laughs> illegally or improperly. And that, you know, Louisville is a good example of that. Right. I mean, it, you know, they're a draw in the tournament and usually have a good team. But final question, do you think the people around college athletics understand any of this? Or do they also turn a bit of a blind eye to the challenges they face. Yes and yes. <laughs> yes. Um, they they know, of course they know. They, they, they know. But colleges or athletic departments are, are multi-million dollar enterprises now. They, a lot of the money that has flowed into the schools, it be, it, not only does it go to the coaches and to facilities, but it goes to athletic departments as well. All and, right. And, and I must say, just briefly, we wrote an editorial on Kansas spending, trying to raise $350 million for its stadium. Now, that's private money. It's not taxpayer money. It's willing donations. But I think one of our arguments was you, you, if the tail continues to wag the dog, it's a war no one can win no. because you just have to keep spending more, raising more, buying more to even compete in that arena. And $191 million of that is going to come from Adidas, a long-term yeah. yes. shoe company contract that Kansas uh, announced a few days before the scandal uh, or the FBI press Thing conference broke. was. Right. But, and uh, Adidas is involved in the FBI. Yes, yes, in a, yeah. in a big way. Yes. In a big way. So that's why we're certainly keeping a close eye on what's right. going on in right. Kansas. But I think... It'll continue to be business as usual until this raise until this gets to a level that it's just unsustainable. Right, and 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 until and maybe this is just sort of a, a plea in some ways that until fans and administrators open their eyes a little bit. I mean, it, you know, I, I I went back and reread some of the briefs in the O'Bannon case, the Ed O'Bannon case filed by athletic directors and co- and and that and was over the likeness that yes. was over players not having ownership of their likeness that right. was being used and some and and an argument that that violated antitrust laws right. which i think are so involved in all of this and have yet i mean the nba the nfl antitrust anyone with any legal experience could probably have quite a payday to sue on that basis but but so i reread these briefs and and uh, uh from college presidents and others and it, it just from every page pours this idea that we know what's going on but we cannot admit it because if we do then the whole structure of amateur athletics becomes a fraud and uh, I, you know these are educators these are highly educated highly paid one would think reasonable and honorable people, and yet there's this willing sense that we can't admit what we see in front of our own A willing eyes. blindness. Yeah, um, because and that's got to change, don't you think, it, it, Blair? It, it, Before it, there's anything. I mean, I it, get fans and I get viewership, but it does take somebody at the top. It takes the NCAA, for example, in my view, to to open its eyes to be much more of an enforcement mechanism and not an enforcer and a booster at the same well and that's same th- time. that that's another uh, thread of thought coming out of this is is maybe the NCAA will will uh, grant itself more um, uh, more powers during an investigation right. um, and and become a little bit more of a powerful organization in that way the NCAA is 
is, by definition, the collection of its members. The president of the NCAA is, uh, the executive director, of course, uh, is, is hired, but, but right. the president and the, the big decision makers are all university presidents. They're the ones who, right. who, who, um, who, who set, the, set the tone. And, and, and kind of an interesting sidelight to this is one of the big cases coming up is North Carolina's academic fraud yes, case. Yes, yes. And if, Which if, goes way back and is huge. Huge. And, and there's a, there's a you know, thought if, if the NCAA doesn't come down hard on North Carolina for, for you know, we know what the problems were. We know it was the crimes that were committed, academic fraud that was committed. Then what power would the NCAA ever have if it can't come down hard right, on Right, but, um, boy, you go on Twitter, look at, you know, discussion of the North Carolina case, and all you hear is, oh, don't be tough on North Carolina. <laughs> right, oh, everybody right. knows this is going on, you know, from North Carolina fans. I mean, you want to just go, <laughs> can you not see what this is doing and will do to your sport? I mean, I think one of the things that's possible is, Unless there's some uh, day of reckoning that we sort of muddle along, and then there will be some scandal so outrageous, so so abhorrent that the well, whole is it Penn, ca- the whole- Penn State wasn't enough. Yes, yes, or North Carolina, <laughs> yep. or whoops, or this Sorry. thing that's going on now. Um, and, and so it's my own view that the 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 NCAA sort of has one last chance. I mean, or at some at some level. This is a this is an inflection point, a wake up call, whatever you want to. Right, call I, I do think I do think that this is the um, we're in. We have started the uh, the scandal that has the that has the the greatest chance of of creating change in college sports and amateur sports as well. What that change is going to ultimately look like, we, we don't know. But I'll go back to something I said earlier. I, I don't think w- when. All, when it's all said and done, it won't be business as usual in college sports. Yeah, can't be. Can't be. Blair Kirkhoff with the Star, thanks so much. You cover college sports and enjoy it every day, I'm sure. I do. <laughs> yes. I, do I hate this. Yeah. Oh, oh, hey. But just to wrap up, I think everyone connected with sports hates it, but they have not been unaware that it's No, th- that's true. If, and I'm, I don't, not sports writers so much. We do what we do, but, uh, but it's, you know, I cover politics and people say to me all the time, well, it's a sordid business and you, you make your peace with that a little bit, but you can't give up. And I don't think sports writers have. And everything I've read, almost everything that I've read after the, the basketball uh, announcements has been from writers who are thoughtful about this this has to be a call for change, but boy, the 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 college administrators, you know, they just push back so hard. Yeah, it will have taken a two year investigation by the FBI for, right. for for change, perhaps, to have happened. Right. All right, Blair. Again, thanks for coming with us. I am Dave Helling, uh, and you've been on Deep Background.